Hello, and welcome to The Leader Lab, the podcast powered by Life Labs Learning. I'm your host and Life Labs leadership trainer, Vanessa Tunisian. In each episode, my lab mates and I distill our findings into powerful tipping point skills, the smallest changes that tip over to make the biggest impact in the shortest time. Hello, Leader Lab listeners, and welcome back. This season, we've had the opportunity to unpack super learning, the benefits and behaviors that'll take your learning to the next level. Super leaders, what great leaders do differently. And now, this time around, we are talking about influence, specifically what super influencers do differently. So to define this the way that we're thinking about it at Life Labs, an influencer is somebody who can impact the behavior of others just by behaving differently yourself without resorting to authority. This is a big deal because at the end of the day, not all of us have a leader title, but we're all leaders in our own right. That's where we're talking about influence. So to help us unpack this next skill set is Tanya Luna. Tanya is the co-CEO of Life Labs. She's an emotion researcher, pig parent, and she had a wedding in Vegas with an Elvis impersonator. So welcome back to the lab, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) So Tanya, we're talking about influence this time around on the Leader Lab, and I'm just curious, When you think big picture about influence and its place in the world of work, why does this even matter? Oh my gosh. I mean, you talked about influence being important if you don't have formal authority. I would argue that even if you do have formal authority, and maybe even especially if you have formal authority, you want to lean on influence instead. Because the result of using influence is that you're not relying on compliance or fear. You're relying on people being inspired by what you're asking them to do and following you because they believe in it, because they're engaged by it. And so not only will people be more effective in their work, they're also going to be more engaged by it. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm already getting the warm feelings in my uh, chest here thinking about this idea of- (laughs) Am I influencing you? Yeah, I think you are. This idea of commitment (laughs) versus compliance, it's already something that I'm gravitating towards. So I want to break this down to something that we can actually take away with us. What's the skill we're walking through today? The micro scale or the behavioral unit that I'd love to chat about is the very simple but difficult act of making the ask. It's kind of like the Nike version of influence. Just do it. Just make the ask. Wow. Well, it sounds really simple, but I know that there are lots of barriers to this. What are some difficulties that folks have when making requests of others? Well, okay. So obviously I'm making it sound simple, but there are a lot of systemic barriers to just making the ask. You might have relationships or lack of relationships at work. It might be your identity. It might be systems set up in place in your organization that would make it scarier or more high risk, or maybe you just don't have access to the individuals that you would make the ask of. So I think A, there's the systemic challenges, but B, there's also the individual challenge, which is that most of us grow up believing that You're not supposed to be asking. If you're in a a more individualistic culture, it's because we grew up thinking we should be independent. If you grew up in a more collectivist culture, it's maybe because you don't want to burden others. Either way, it feels really kind of heavy to have to take that risk and ask someone to do something. Yeah, I totally hear that. It sounds like there are so many things that prevent us from making the ask, but the good news is we have skills that'll make it a lot easier. So what does making the ask on an individual basis, considering, you know, the environments that we're working through, what are the components of that? 
Yeah, I love that question. So let's break it down even further. I mean, number one, it's literally ask for what you need. It sounds so simple, but people hugely underestimate just the power of saying, hey, I need your help. Can you please do this thing? If you wanted to go even further beyond just you know the habit of asking for what you need, there are three tips that I'll share. Number one is ask face-to-face, especially a big ask of folks. So even if you're working remotely, flip your camera on and actually ask people by showing them your face at the same time. It's a lot more effective. Number two is don't just say, hey, can you do this thing for me? You also want to share an impact statement. So I'm asking you to do this because. And then number three is make the ask as specific as possible. Okay. So making the ask has this three-pronged approach, making sure we are doing it as interpersonally as we can, right? Making sure people understand the reasoning and getting into that specificity. So you know I'm a total nerd. So I need to know, what does the research say? Oh my gosh. I love the research on influence. Uh, I'll maybe zero in on two studies that are most relevant. So psychologist Vanessa Bones conducted a study where she had people ask strangers if they could use their cell phones. What would your guess be? What percentage of people would say, yes, random person on the street, you can take my you know, precious device that has all of my, <laughs> and possibly like my credit card. <laughs> I think you're priming me for an answer, but it sounds like it would be pretty low, right? Is it in the low 30s? Okay, that's a good guess. So people thought, assumed that it would be pretty low. In fact, it was a 60% compliance rate. Wow. 60%. So more than 50% of people said, why, well, yes, go ahead. In another study, they asked college students to actually vandalize what they thought was a library book. They would come, <gasps> <The> girls. <laughs> so they would come up to these students that were sitting there and go, hey, this is a library book. I'm trying to prank my friend. Can you write pickle on this library book? Now, it is a horrible thing to vandalize uh, you know, a library book, possibly illegal. I have to check. It's pretty illegal. What percentage of people do you think did it because they were asked? 10%? This is me 60%. crossing my fingers. 60%. So whether it's, hey, can I use your cell phone or, hey, can you do this like unethical thing? And the, the key takeaway from both of these studies here is simply asking someone to do it is going to be more effective than the average everyday person even thinks. Yeah. More than 50% of the time, people are going to actually say yes to whatever it is that you're asking for. So go in there knowing that the odds are in your favor. Oh my gosh, Tanya, this is so exciting. So what does this look like in practice? Like how would we actually break this down? So I know when I'm making the ask next, I'm doing this, you know, the quote unquote right way. Actually, I was thinking that instead of talking about what you can do right now, we can together break down something you did really recently, Vanessa, Mm -hmm. which is you made the ask of Life Labs to do summer Fridays, or we now call kind Fridays. So what do you think if we take a look at what makes an ask effective and break it down and see how did you apply that in this successful ask? Yeah, I love a good case study. And I know our listeners do too. Context listeners, we now have summer Fridays at Life Labs. We're calling it kind Fridays in reference to our be kind to our mind value. We're at three o'clock your local time. It's lids down. Me and my colleague, Grace Fister worked on it. And now it's a reality. Let's get into it. Okay. So number one, we know that asks are more effective if they're specific. So let us know, how did you make your ask specific? Well, funny enough, it didn't start off specific. (laughs) There was a lot of different things that were bogged down in the request. And Robin Long, who's our director of operations, said, we really need this to be drilled down. So Grace and I made the decision to focus on the most immediate thing we could do, which would be summer Fridays. And then we specified specifically like what were the dates because we wanted to make sure that this was in alignment with, you know, the calendar year. 
So we decided summer starts from Memorial Day to Labor Day. So yeah, you blurred summer. So, so helpful. Yeah. So you narrowed the ask and you made it really concrete. How about impact? How did you clarify what the impact would be? Essentially, you're saying like, hey, company, could we not work and still get paid? That's yeah. technically <laughs> an organization, but everyone said yes. How did you make the impact convincing? Yeah. So we tethered this to a couple of things, but I think the biggest thing is one of our values, be kind to our mind. And we wanted to be able to live that out in a really concrete way for the team. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is like, we have been working like uh, bananas, right? We've been working a lot. And I'm sure that the, a lot of listeners relate, but we were hoping yeah. that this respite on a Friday, where it's the end of the week, yeah. And so it was showing the positive impact. Hey, this can be great for our mental health. This can be great for our productivity. You also took the extra step to show that it wouldn't have negative impact. So mm-hmm. could you share a little bit about how you did that? And I think that's where you use some FaceTime. Yeah. So I think what was cool about this whole conversation that we had around Summer Fridays is it really was a cross-functional collaboration project. We had to check in with our client administrators, with our BD team, with our facilitators to really get buy-in across the company and had several conversations. I know that you're saying face-to-face really works. We also did email. We also did a survey. So not to completely refute the yeah, you don't have to do things. everything over a Zoom call. <laughs> yes. So while we made the ask, again, that idea of commitment versus compliance, people were there to help us see it through to the finish. Yeah. So just to recap, it sounds like you used specificity, you shared the positive impact, and you shared how we would mitigate any negative impact. And at least to some extent, you put in a little bit of FaceTime here and there so that people could feel connected to you and to Grace who was the other proposer on this initiative, so that there was like a personal excitement about it, not just this idea. Yeah. So I guess we did make the ask and uh, I'm so thankful it was successful at three o'clock every Friday till Labor Day. Lids down, y'all. Well, Tanya, this brings us to our Leader Lab listener experiment. So what are we asking people to experiment with in their laboratories of life? Woohoo, I love this part. Okay, so my mission for listeners is to make the ask. Think of something that you've been wanting to get folks to do, or maybe you've been hesitating to ask, and just take that first small step, make the ask. Thank you so much, Tanya, for our first super influencer skill. I'm ready to make a lot of asks of you later. (laughs) Well, you asked me to do this episode, and I said yes. You're right. It's already working. I'll see you in the lab soon, Tanya. Yeah. And that's a wrap of another episode of The Leader Lab. Make sure to subscribe and share this with at least one other person so we can all be super influencers. It's pretty awesome. The Leader Lab is executive produced and hosted by me, Vanessa Tunisian. Neandra James is our senior producer and Alana Berman is our director and editor. If you'd like to hang out with us on social, go ahead and find us on LinkedIn at Life Labs Learning and on Twitter at Life Labs Learn. To bring training to your team, head on over to lifelabslearning.com. See you in the lab soon.